Today's episode of The Overwhelmed Brain is brought to you by Green Chef. For $50 off your first box of Green Chef, go to greenchef.us forward slash brain. Are you annoyed by affirmations? Are you tired of that same old rehashed personal growth advice that all seems to boil down to think positively and all your problems will go away? If affirmations feel like lies and positive thinking feels like denial, then I want you to get ready. The Overwhelmed Brain is here to help you create the life you want now. Welcome to The Overwhelmed Brain. I am Paul Coliani, a personal empowerment coach, and this is the show where I read your questions and help you tackle life's toughest challenges. I want to help you increase your emotional intelligence, strengthen your self-worth and self-esteem, and empower you so that you can make decisions that are right for you. Everything I talk about on this show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. All right, I want to talk about something that um, maybe everyone can benefit from. You know, we have these specific episodes sometimes on marriage issues or work-related problems or friend-related problems or it's always relationship issues of some sort. A lot of episodes are very specific to a certain thing. And this episode can be, I don't want to say generic, it can be specific to what you're going through, no matter how specific it is, because there's a questioning process that I like to go through when I'm dealing with something, when I'm feeling funky, when I'm feeling down, when I'm feeling challenged in some way, or emotionally triggered. That's the best time to do this kind of stuff, is when you're emotionally triggered. And um, this is one of those episodes that asks more questions than gives you suggestions or answers. Uh, Not that I'm the answer man, but I like to guide you to a path to help you find an answer in your life. So the idea behind this particular episode is to give you tools to help you get out of challenges. So these are the kind of questions that I might ask in a coaching call. I mean, this isn't, you know, exactly what I do on all coaching calls. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. It really depends on where we go. It's unique each one. But I want to maybe give you the tools that I use, or at least some of them, when it comes to dealing with your own challenges. In the self-help field, personal growth and development field, you know, you try to get your hands on as many things as possible, or at least a lot of people do this, and they soak it all up. And they hope that they gain something from soaking it all up. On this show, I like to make it very practical, very grounded, uh, very much something that you can use right away. I don't like to say, okay, uh, look in the mirror and say this affirmation 50 times a day. Because that just takes too long. (laughs) I'm not saying it doesn't work. You know, you hear my show that says, are you annoyed by affirmations? Um, You know, every now and then I like to mention this affirmations when they work they work great when they don't it's probably because you feel like you're lying to yourself and if you feel like you're lying to yourself you'll create resistance you'll feel this resistance in your body you'll say it to yourself like i don't believe it but i'll keep saying it and eventually it works against you 
This has been my experience. Okay, I'll, I'll say this affirmation. I am happy being poor <laughs> or whatever. I am beautiful when I don't feel I'm beautiful or I think I'm ugly. You know, these affirmations that we're told to say in the mirror or just out and about or in meditation, again, when they work, they work great. They can be a way to reprogram our brains so that our thinking changes. Our old thinking gets out of the rut it was in and creates a new groove that we hope it follows so that our thinking automatically goes to positive inner dialogue and higher self-esteem and higher self-worth. We hope that affirmations will do that. It's when they don't do it that a lot of us or you know, people who have practiced affirmations that have a challenge with it, they will get stuck and go, gee, you know, I've been practicing these affirmations, but I still think I'm an idiot or I still think I'm ugly or I still think that I'm not lovable or not worthy. So what do we do with these feelings? We've got to do something with this thought process. This is when affirmations uh, aren't necessarily maybe the best route to take, although I do have a, an episode on better inner dialogue. Uh, what did I call that? Just in case you want to listen to that. Let me look for it. The overwhelmed brain. Okay, so I have, yes, I have a, an episode uh, recorded way back in 2015 called Reducing Negative Self-Talk. You can go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com and just look for that in the search field, uh, negative self-talk, you'll find it. And it's where I help you change your inner dialogue. So, I mean, that's where a lot of us end up going is saying things to ourselves that disempower us. And we say things like, oh, I'm so stupid, oh, I'm this, I'm that. And I, I think it's a, a good episode to listen to if you are in that space. So the positive affirmations that I'm talking about can work against you, but there is a way to continue saying these things to yourself if you're into affirmations and make them more helpful so that you don't come up with this resistance because the resistance is you not believing what you're saying. And yes, I suppose you can keep saying it 100,000 times a day and eventually you'll get past that old pattern, that old program, but I don't really like things that take that long. <laughs> I like to do things right away. What is my quick fix? This isn't a quick fix show, but I, I like to go in that direction. And if there is a quick fix, I'm going to try it. I like to experiment. I like to try different things. For example, this is one of those episodes where I'm going to ask you to try different things. And well, I mean, it depends on how long you've been listening. If you're pretty new to the show and you haven't binge listened yet, you're probably going to hear some new stuff. If you've been listening to the show a while, you may have heard some of this stuff. Um, but this is good for repetition so that, you know, like affirmations, you start to work them into your brain so they become automatic. That way, when, for example, your partner calls their ex and you have feelings about it, you know how to handle those feelings. Or at least you understand those feelings a bit better. Instead of going into an old place of, oh, I don't want them to do that. I'm so angry about that. Um, I might be jealous. I might have other emotions going on. And I'm going to be upset and give them the silent treatment for the next three days. That's just one example. I don't know if you go through that. But, you know, that has come up. I, I receive messages where people say, you know, she still talks to her ex. And it's a huge problem for that person. So... I like to address this stuff 
and figure out what we can do with it. A, so we can understand our own emotions around it. Like, why are we so emotional? I mean, are they still seeing each other physically? That would be a problem. But if it's just a friendly conversation, why would I be so mad about it? Well, because uh, they were together at one point. Yeah, but why does that bother me so much? Well, there's a chance that they could get back together because maybe they're still attracted to each other. Oh, so that might indicate a trust problem in me. I mean, how often do we do that? Hmm, that might be a trust problem in me. That might not be her or his behavior that's bad. It might be my behavior that's bad. That's hard to do. It's hard to take responsibility for the behavior we see in others and our response to that behavior that we see in others. But I tell you what, that was my um, shift. That was my personal growth enlightenment moment when I realized that when I was married, all my judgments weren't about her behavior. At least if she changed her behavior, I would heal. That just wasn't true because I would still be judgmental. And all she'd have to do is do something else to make me judgmental again. My judgments weren't about her behavior. They were about my own inability to take responsibility for my behavior. And, you know, that goes deeper. I have judgment episodes where I've talked about that. Uh, But I tell you what, when you come to a place of, whoa, my reaction, my response is my responsibility, that really puts you into a place of power to get you out of the old cycles, out of the old patterns of being emotionally triggered when something happens. So when your partner or your friend or your family or whoever does something that ticks you off, you have the ability to respond in a different way instead of that old reactionary way. Where is this reaction coming from? That's what I like to explore. I like to know when I'm reacting about something, where the heck did that come from? Why do I need to be so reactionary? Because I feel threatened because I I'm fearing something I fear something what do I fear let's drill down I talk about that in other episodes we'll drill down what do I fear well I fear that if she talks to that guy that um, she'll like him again and she'll want to go back to them and then I'll ask well how is that a problem and how is that a problem and why does that bother you and I'll keep drilling into that until I find some root or primal fear that is driving this outward behavior that is driving my thoughts. And when I find that, I can tear it apart and figure out where it came from and move forward. It doesn't always work 100% of the time. I still have my little triggers that come up, and when they come up, I address them. But you can get to the point where you're not triggered all the time or a lot of the time. I have clients that deal with family that always triggers them. What do you do when you're always triggered? I think that's a great thing to explore in yourself. Why do I keep getting triggered? I don't like being triggered. Or maybe I know I am being triggered because they're doing something wrong. Yet I choose to be around that person. Yet I choose to be in a relationship with that person. Yet I choose to stay at this job. I choose to stay in this marriage. I choose to continue going to these family functions even though I get upset every time they do something I don't like. There's responsibility here. There's a lot of responsibility on how we feel at the end of the day when we're around people that we know cause us to feel a certain way. How do we overcome that? How do we get past it? This episode is about 
asking yourself the questions to get past these challenges in your life. You want to get past these challenges because I know what it's like to walk around with this dark cloud. Like I have an email that I'm going to read you in the next segment, or maybe uh, some of it, where this person just carries around a dark cloud and she's done a lot of work. She's been to therapy. She's gone through all the podcasts. I mean, not just mine, but, you know, the podcast world with self-help and probably YouTube videos, probably books. So she's reached out to every possible resource she can find, yet there's still an emptiness. There's still something missing. And she still has uh, reactions in her about what other people do and what they say and so on and so forth. What do you do with that? I mean, if you haven't found the root problem, how do you change current behavior? I know I'm asking a lot of questions, but this is a question episode. How, how and why and what? The questions that you ask yourself are the key to getting through the emotional triggers and getting through what's missing in your life and getting through what makes you feel bad and why you overreact and why you underreact and why everything that happens in your life. Just questions. Now, to ask yourself questions is taking a level of responsibility because if you know someone else is doing something wrong and it ticks you off and then you choose to explore why it ticks you off instead of just going for the default, well, they shouldn't be talking to that person or they shouldn't yell at me or they shouldn't have done that behavior. That's the default because that's the outward external behavior that we can observe and see what it is and call it what it is. But what about our reaction? What about your reaction, your behavior in response to their behavior? Your behavior in response to their behavior is the key to giving it the meaning it has. Your behavior gives it life. Your behavior gives it impact. It gives it more intensity. It gives it the energy it needs to feed the negativity, the negative emotion inside of you. I mean, there's positive reactions too, and you can feed the positive emotions inside of you as well, but I'm talking about when you don't want to feel something, when you don't want to feel pain, when you don't want to feel fear, when you don't want to feel anger, when you don't want to feel sad. You don't want to feed all of those negative emotions by your own reactions. And this is where it's good to realize that you do have a bit of power and control over your emotional reactions. You do. It happens fast and you and often you realize I have no control over that. I just react. But there is a sequence of events that get you to that reaction, even if they're nanoseconds that you cannot uh, consciously observe. There is a sequence of events that occurs to get you to the reaction that you're having. And I'm not saying all reactions are unjustified or not valid. I'm saying that if you want to address any negativity in you, emotional triggers, sensitivities, whatever, if you want to address those, then that's where you look in the mirror and instead of saying an affirmation, saying an acknowledgement. Like, this reaction's happening in me. I'm feeling bad because of something that is happening in me. Yes, that person is doing bad behavior. Or yes, the environment is making me upset or the people in the environment are making me upset. But 
there's a step in the process to that upset that I'm responsible for. Doesn't mean I shouldn't be upset. I'm not taking that away from you. It just means that if you want to address that, if you want to minimize or even eliminate the upset so that you don't carry it around with you, then it's vital for you to take responsibility for your role in the series of events that happen in your life. When we come back, I want to talk about your current emotional state, where you are now, and how that can change uh, almost in an instant. We'll talk about that after this. looking forward to recording this spot for Green Chef because the box that my girlfriend and I received just this week, I think it was Tuesday, it came on Tuesday and uh, I opened the box and I got to tell you, their presentation was off the grid. It was just amazing because when we opened it up, everything is labeled, everything is pre-measured, ready to create the meal that you want to create. So, just receiving it was an experience, but actually being able to create the meal, which we did, I think, uh, Wednesday night, we created the first meal. What they do is they give you a step-by-step that really walks you through as if you were absolutely brand new to cooking. And uh, I really appreciated that. So I created this meal. It was a, a Mediterranean veggie bowl. And it has these um, cannellini beans mashed with uh, red pepper and uh, chili seasoned breadcrumbs and a little olive oil and some salt and pepper. And oh, and a a little piece of uh, feta cheese stuck in each one. And then you cook the patties until they're golden brown. And then you put them on this plate of kale and quinoa and cucumbers and tomatoes and artichokes and olives and feta cheese. I mean, the whole thing was just an amazing delicacy. And my girlfriend was very skeptical. (laughs) She said, I don't know about this. Uh, We'll see. And she bit into it and she fell in love. She said, you have to keep this recipe. You have to get this again. I love this thing. But let me tell you a little bit about them. They're Green Chef. They are the first USDA certified organic meal kit delivery service that includes everything you need to cook delicious gourmet meals that you can feel good about. They send you premium organic ingredients and imaginative new recipes each week. Everything is handpicked and delivered right to your door. And if you have a special diet, they cater to that. Paleo, vegan, vegetarian, keto, gluten-free, omnivore, carnivore like me. And uh, they do all the shopping and the portioning. And again, the presentation, when you pull all these little baggies out with the right portions, everything is labeled. I even took a picture of it and put it on my Facebook page. It's just incredible how easy they make it and um, how much fun I had preparing the meal because I didn't have to make portions of anything. I didn't have to measure too much except olive oil or vegetable oil here and there. And the Green Chef Expert Chefs design recipes with gourmet flavor that you typically only find in restaurants. I'm speaking from experience, believe me, because my dinners at home sometimes involve an English muffin with a pizza sauce and a piece of pepperoni and some cheese. (laughs) It's not always that bad, but you know, you don't have much time, so you whip something up really fast. 
so it's not like I prepare <laughs> and I don't I don't really prepare too much I sometimes make good meals but having Green Chef has really changed uh, how we cook our meals and to top it all off because my girlfriend has pushed me into being more environmentally friendly which I totally agree with most of the packaging that Green Chef comes in is recyclable it even says recycle me recycle me so you win the planet wins everyone wins all the way around and I want you to try them out. Go to greenchef.us forward slash brain. It's not one of those dot coms. It's greenchef.us forward slash brain. If you do the forward slash brain, you get $50 off your first box. That's a really good deal. So if you want to just let somebody else do all the shopping and planning for you, check them out. greenchef.us forward slash brain. I know you're going to love it. There's a state of mind or a state of emotionality, if I can use that term, um, that you're in most of the time. Unless you're completely emotionally disconnected uh, or have trouble accessing your emotions, there's usually some sort of emotional state that you're in. And if you don't know what that is, let me give you an opportunity to, to check in and feel what you're feeling. So I'm going to be a little quiet as you check in and just ask yourself, what emotions am I feeling? And if you can't identify the emotion, just ask, do I feel good? Do I feel bad? Am I just kind of in the middle? I don't really feel good or feel bad. What comes up? Something usually comes up. And when it's bad, you know it, you feel it. And you can usually tell it's bad, just for those of you who may not be able to tell. Uh, yes, there are people who have created defense mechanisms that don't know they feel bad. And that can be helpful because then you don't have to deal with feeling bad. But if it affects your life, if it comes out in emotional triggers, if it ruins your relationships, it's probably a good idea to get in touch with that bad feeling. And I quote bad, you know. It's subjective. We can define it a different way, but I'm just using that term bad for now. Now, the way to know if you feel bad is just check in with your body, first of all. Am I feeling bad in any part of my body? And I don't mean like a physical illness. If you hurt your arm and your arm hurts, I mean where your emotions usually rise up. Like when I check in right now, my stomach's okay, you know, my torso, my chest, all of this in that area, usually around the organs, that's where the emotions rise up for me. If they rise up in you differently, great, you know, just check in with that. Does it feel okay? Like right now I feel pretty balanced. I don't really feel great. I don't really feel bad. It's kind of in the middle. So where are you? Let me give you a moment. And just get in touch with yourself. Get in touch with your body. So something probably came up. And even if that something is, I don't feel good or bad, that's fine too. This is the first step toward figuring out if you're holding on to anything. Now the next question is, 
what do I feel the majority of the time? The majority of my time throughout each day and night. If you're at work all day, how do you feel there? If you're in a relationship, how do you feel there? What, what takes up the majority of your time? And how do you feel inside your body? I bet something's coming up. If not, that's okay too. But I bet something has come up for you. Because if you deal with anyone else in life, there's usually an emotional response to it. Or even if you have a job where you don't talk to anyone and don't you know, connect with anybody, any person, there's usually a, a, an emotional connection about it. The emotional connection might be positive, like, I get paid well and I work with great people. Or it could be negative, where I get paid well and I work with terrible people. <laughs> or I get paid awful and work with awful people. So whatever that is for you, it's a good way to connect. And I use the majority of the time concept because in the moment, we don't necessarily feel what's going on all the time. We might carry around a sense of happiness or positivity or carry around a sense of unhappiness or negativity. But it really starts to show itself when we think about it the majority of the time concept. Work and marriage and relationships and the commute to work, the commute home, the bills that you can't stop thinking about, the, how, the mortgage payment, you know, what do you spend the majority of your time? Here's the third question. What do you spend the majority of your time thinking about? And I've already prepped you for this one. Bills and work and relationships and everything else. What do you spend the majority of your time thinking about? And how does that make you feel? I call this checking in. We're checking in with ourselves. How do I feel about that? So the idea is just to understand what you feel the majority of the time. Because this is really helpful to know where you are most of the time so that when I put you on the spot like now and say, how do you feel, and nothing comes up or something does come up, is that how you feel the majority of the time? If it's not, then it's good to know for you so that you know what to work on next if you want to work on it. Um, now, what I said in the previous segment is about state, state of mind and state of emotionality. Uh, emotional, you know, don't hold me to that word. I didn't look it up. I'm <laughs> just using it. Uh, your emotional state in the moment. This is what I was talking about that can change in an instant. For example, someone can hand you a, I don't know, this may or may not make you happy. It would make me happy. Someone could hand you a $100,000 check and say, congratulations, you won. <laughs> or this is from your late Uncle Ted or whatever. And suddenly you have $100,000. That would make a lot of people happy. Or somebody comes along and says, you know, we had to fire that guy because he was bothering everyone in the office. And suddenly your day brightens. <laughs> or fire that woman or fire whoever. Suddenly, you have a different outlook for tomorrow and work is going to be a lot better. All because you carried around this negativity about that one person. Or you carried around this negativity about you're always in debt or you're always struggling. But just thinking about something that could happen in an instant that would change things, that can change your state. I don't know about you, but when I think about this stuff, it changes my emotional state. And it was a positive change. 
you're not going to have to work with this guy anymore. You're not going to have to deal with this person anymore. Whoa, that feels good. So this is what I mean about uh, changing your state in an instant. Now, it doesn't have to be something like that. I can ask you the question, do you remember a time in your life when you were extremely happy? And if you can't think of anything, imagine what it would be like to be extremely happy. What would have to exist in your life? What would have to be present in your life to feel happy, to feel peaceful, to feel comfortable? Any one of those things. Just imagine that for a moment. Because when you imagine this, your body can shift into it. Your body can feel it, which means you can feel it. Your emotional state can shift. I'm not saying this is a solution for depression. I'm not saying this is a solution for anything. I'm saying I just want you to be aware of how fast you can shift into a state. Now, if you haven't shifted from everything I'm saying here, that's okay too. This isn't something that you can get right or wrong. This is just something that you can either do easily or it'll take a little time, a little practice. Or you might have a life that has no references. I've met people like this. They have no references for happiness. I have never been happy. Well, this is where we get into the next subject I want to talk about, which is the questions that you can ask yourself to find out what you need to do or what you need to work on or what you need to focus on so that you can create a happy reference, so that you can create a peace reference, so that you can create a comfort reference or, or a satisfaction reference or a fulfillment reference. A reference is just something that you refer to to access this emotional state. For example, when I think of comfort, I think of when I was like 14 and I was lying on this big pillow in my dad's apartment and the sun was shining in and the air conditioning was on and I fell asleep. And it feels really good. I'm thinking about it now and my body just relaxes into it. And I like that feeling. So I have a reference and I have many other references in my life. I also have bad references, but I'm not trying to access those right now. I'm accessing the good references. And it helps me shift into that state. You know, some people don't know you can do this. I'm telling you this so that you know you can do it. If you already know you can do this, great. Access that anytime you need it. But um, like I said, this isn't the solution. It's just a, a step in the right direction to help you get from where you are to where you want to be. But where I want to go next is to what questions that you can ask yourself so that these states can come up in you more naturally. Instead of you just um, thinking about a time that felt really good and then you feel good in that moment and then it kind of slithers away, kind of disappears because real life comes back. Uh, what questions can you ask yourself that might make the shift a little bit more sustaining, a little bit more, I don't want to say permanent, you know, I don't know if this is going to be permanent for you or not, but it could be at least a step toward permanence. I mean, nothing is really permanent, but you know what I mean, more indefinite. So where I like to go with the questions is I like to consider everything that's in my life right now. I like to consider all the people that exist that are alive or even dead. I like to consider where I live. I like to consider what I live in, a house, an apartment. I like to consider where I work. 
I like to consider the air I breathe. I like to consider what the weather's like. All these elements, all these components that make up your life. If you were to draw like a mind map, you ever see those mind maps? And you put yourself in the center of a piece of paper and you write your name in that center. You make a circle and put your name in it. And then you have one line or one tether that goes to a component of your life. And that could be spouse or significant other or dog or not not necessarily in place of a significant other, but it can be that way too. Uh, <laughs> a house, car, rainy weather, pizza place, work, boss at work, coworker at work. And you start making all these lines from the center out. I'm not saying you have to do this, but you can imagine it. Uh, and you'll notice that all these components are connected to your life in some way. What I like to do, and this is just a visual metaphor, uh, but it is helpful to have this visual metaphor to explain this. What I like to do is erase a single line to any component and then check in how I feel. I mean, think about that. Just imagine the first component that you wrote out Erase that line as if it didn't exist. And what do you feel with that component out of your life? It may feel great. It may feel awful. But what do you feel? You know, this is where we start accessing the deeper stuff under our surface level emotions. Now, the next step is to put that line back and then check in again. How do you feel? It's a good exercise because if you are, and I'll just use a very simple example, if you're in a relationship that makes you unhappy, you'll notice a feeling when you erase that line. And it can work the other way. If you are in a relationship that makes you very happy, you'll notice a feeling when you erase that line you know, to your relationship. And that feeling, there's meaning under that. There's something about that feeling. And that feeling can be drilled into even more. But this episode, I, I just want you to explore what emotions are there and what do you feel and what thoughts come up? Well, if I didn't have that person in my life, what does that mean? Um, what would you do if that person wasn't in your life or that job or your dog or this weather or this house or this car? What would you do? How would you feel? These are great questions to ask yourself. I think I'm going to have to create a workbook on this. But the idea is to just erase these lines to these components in your life and check in. Because when you check in, you'll discover something. You'll eventually discover things that you never think about because just like you're breathing air, you don't really think about oxygen and carbon dioxide until they're gone. You don't really think about that stuff until they're gone because they're always there. Just like you might have something in your life that's always there. And suddenly, if it's not, you think and feel differently. It's very similar to the um, no person meditation that I like to do. Uh, sometimes where I uh, will close my eyes and it's usually in bed right before sleep. And I'll, I'll just think about what it will be like if I woke up in the morning and everyone I knew didn't exist. I had no contact with them. They just didn't exist anymore. What would I go through? What would I feel? What would I do differently? It's a big question. What would I do differently if this didn't exist in my life? And then when you think about what you do differently, check in. 
How does that feel? What emotions am I feeling? I did this uh, night after night for like a month or two. I woke up in the morning. I mean, this is in my meditation. And um, I even had dreams about this because I, I did it so often. I woke up in the morning and my girlfriend was gone. In fact, everyone in my neighborhood was gone. And I kept looking and I couldn't find anyone. And I ended up, um, you know, going to people's houses and letting animals out so they can, you know, survive on their own, I hope. Uh, and day after day, I, you know, I started growing a beard. I started taking any car I want. I started driving an RV. This is all in my mind night after night. In fact, um, I noticed that the next night would be the next day in my meditation. I would have this RV and I would lay on the top looking at the stars. All of these things happened just by taking a few nights and wondering and being curious what I would do next. And what that did was allow me to explore life without the influence of other people. And it really did connect me to myself. Because I think that's a lot of what we miss. You know, when we feel like there's something missing, a lot of what we miss is our own connection to ourself. How do we get back there? Well, I tell you what, you start erasing those lines on your mind map, you're going to connect to yourself because all these other connections start disappearing. They start going away and you become more prominent. You become more of the focus. You become more important, more significant, more worthy. You have no choice but to become more worthy when you do this exercise because you start becoming more self-reliant. And you have to rely on yourself to accomplish things and get things done. And when you are able to accomplish something, you can get a feeling of worth and it can raise your self-esteem and it can put another notch on a healthy ego, a good notch for a good healthy ego. I believe you can build a healthy ego. And everything that you do without the influence of anything else starts to shift your perception of yourself, your perception of the world. And I'm not saying that you have to disconnect from everything and just go meditate on a mountain somewhere. I'm saying that all you have to do is erase one line and check in. And then you can erase two lines and three lines if you want. This is your time. This is your visualization, your imagination, wherever you want to go with it. But that's sort of the no people meditation concept that I've mentioned before. Uh, and it's a great, great tool if you ever want to connect with yourself and understand you at a different level without the influence of other people. And this helps you start to discover little things about yourself, like um, what emotional states are going on inside of you. Do you get happier when a certain line is erased? Do you get sadder when a certain line is erased? What about, um, you know, like I said, People who have passed on, you can consider those lines attachments. You might have an, an attachment to someone who's passed on. So in your on your mind map, you have a line that goes to another circle that has someone's name in it that's no longer here because you miss them, because you wish they were back. What would happen if that attachment disappeared? What, if that, what would happen if you erased that line? The things that can come up in you are very telling and they're very personal and they're probably very important to you. But if that attachment, that line wasn't there, what would you do differently? What would you do next? And it's okay to think in terms 
of freeing space. You know what I mean by that? It's sort of like if your um, computer's hard drive gets full, I got to erase some files. I got to free some space. It's, it's okay to think like that because I know that you have attachments that you love. I know that you love these attachments. I know that you love these people and these places and these things. But it's okay to just wonder what it would be like without those people and those places and things. Not because that's the goal, but because it helps you discover what might be missing, what might be not enough, what might be affecting your self-worth, affecting your self-esteem, affecting your levels of confidence, affecting so much that perhaps, you know, whatever's in there, whatever you're whatever you might be carrying around, perhaps when you discover what it is, that it's no longer chasing your tail, it's no longer some mysterious phenomenon, it's something you know. But of course the next step is getting out of it. And that, you know, that's another show for another day. But this is discovery because sometimes, well, often, we have the answer. This is inner wisdom. This is when you know what to do, yet uh, you don't want to admit that you want to do that. Or you can't do it because of circumstances. Or there's another answer, but you refuse to do that because uh, so-and-so will be mad. Or I won't be able to afford it. Or the job won't let me. Or all these justifications that we bring into our life so that we don't have to get into the solution that would actually make us happy. I've really simplified and generalized there. Obviously, there are exceptions. There are uh, circumstances in our life that we simply can't get past. And let me just say it, you know, somebody might have uh, children out there and they think, well, what would it be like without children? Suddenly, I'm happier. That doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means you get to explore any possibility, any potentiality that is available to you. What would it have been like if I didn't have kids? What would it be like now if my kids grew up and they moved away and I never talked to them again? Or they just grew up and moved out of the house? You know, all of these pieces and parts that make up you and that influence you and they're, they're part of your bigger circle in the world, you can change around in your mind just to see where you go. Because just like in this email that I got, which I'm going to read in a moment, um, sometimes you go through life and you just don't know what's wrong. So it's helpful to go through this process and ask yourself questions and try to figure out exactly what you can do to reach a higher level of understanding of yourself. So uh, when we come back, I'm going to read that email. I know I told you I was going to read the email <laughs> in the last segment, but let's just do it when we come back because I ran out of time in this segment. Be right back. All right, welcome back. Let me get back to that email. I'm going to call this person Jen. And Jen says, discovering your podcast and listening to you has helped me get through a lot of tough times and made me feel less alone. You are not alone, Jen. Thank you for uh, listening. I feel like I've done a lot of work on myself and healing and growth over the last few years. I like to think I am more aware of things I could not see before. And I have more insight into my inner world. I've attended workshops. I've read books. I've listened to podcasts. I've watched documentaries. 
Uh, prior to this, I spent years in psychotherapy and over a decade on antidepressants, of which I weaned myself off of and I am so proud of it. And yet, I still feel like I'm reading about riding a bike without actually hopping on one and going for a ride. Yes, that's a bit of a metaphor. Over the years, I have suffered from low self-esteem, chronic stress, eating disorders, anxieties, severe depression. I have a violent and emotionally abusive and physically abusive marriage behind me and a child whom my ex managed to alienate from me. While I cope, I feel like my existence is more of a vegetation than a rich living. I have also experienced a codependent relationship with my on and off partner uh, with whom I've been for over several years now. It went through a, a sort of metamorphosis and changed immensely after I eventually ended the relationship because it became too painful at some point. After several months, the break turned out to be one of the best things that ever happened to us. I am relearning how to communicate, overcome old schema and destructive thinking patterns and behaviors, how to open up and communicate my needs, wants, and how to say no without fear of upsetting the other person. We both made some great progress within ourselves as individuals to heal whatever needed healing, and we created a better, healthier relationship together. My life is still feeling like a mess, and I feel trapped. I have no plans, no, no goals, no purpose, living or surviving from one day to the next, from Monday through Friday. I am leading a healthy lifestyle, eating well, walking, doing yoga, meditation, no drugs or cigarettes. Uh, yet the emptiness I feel every day and the lack of purpose are absolutely debilitating to me. I've tried volunteering to fill the void and distract myself from my problems and overwhelming thinking, which seems to paralyze me and prevents me from finding joy in every day's little things. I'm grateful and I appreciate what I have. Or do I? Maybe I lie to myself thinking that, but I still feel numb, like some internal self-imposed break that holds me back. I don't know what I want from life. I don't know what I like. I have no energy, no zest for life, and getting up every morning to face another day is a struggle on most days. I should feel grateful. I don't have any real problems, yet I feel so disconnected and lonely. I have tried to reconnect with my inner child and show myself more love, compassion, and self-care. I'm exhausted. I know there are things I need to accept, express, and let go, but I don't know how. I struggle to connect to even know what I'm feeling or name what's going on on the inside. One of my dear friends, very insightful, suggested that I'm addicted to the drama and enjoy my unhappiness or finding problems where they don't exist. Is it possible I'm choosing to do this to myself? I have listened many times to all your episodes on self-worth, insecurities, jealousy, fear of abandonment and rejection, and reconnecting with my inner child. Every time it seems that I finally get a handle on it and progress, sooner or later the life throws another challenge on me and I find myself on the starting line again. Uh, one night my partner went out without me and I felt robbed of the precious us time. It all ended with tears and me almost hysterical close to a psychotic episode with overwhelming anger. I got terrified of my behavior and my capacity to act that way. That was followed by an immense guilt and disappointment in myself and shame. It also made me want to withdraw and escape, but at the same time, I just craved to be hugged and comforted. I'm growing tired of trying and losing hope. Maybe certain things are not meant to happen for me in this lifetime. I've recently listened to your podcast about needy people and a relationship with the avoidant type and what needs healing within to overcome the fear of rejection and abandonment and felt like it was all about me. But despite trying and talking to my inner child, visualizing, meditating, going through a phase of being single and being okay with it, I still don't feel healed and the sensation of being empty, lonely, and not good enough returns eventually. I seem not to be able to discover within me 
What is that thing that's missing or repressed or makes me feel in a certain way, keeping me stuck or trapped? Maybe it's because I have not discovered it yet or I'm not addressing the real underlying cause and always return to the point of exit. Wow. Okay, Jen, thank you so much for sharing all of that. You know, this is exactly what I was talking about in the last two segments where there's something wrong. There's something messed up. There's something missing. There's something you feel. There's something going on in your life that you just can't identify. You can't figure it out. And the exercise I gave you is a great start to that. You in the center, you're tethered to all these attachments, all these connections in your life. What happens if one goes away? Now, one of the things that you said is that you had a codependent relationship with this person. And, you know, it's vital to understand if any of that still exists so that you know you're not going down a road inadvertently and you're sucked into that cycle of dysfunction again. So, I, you know, you look at that line on your mind map and what would happen if that line was erased to this person? What would happen if you woke up tomorrow and that person's no longer in your life? Now, you've probably tried this for real. That person's not in your life for a while. Hey, this is what it's like. But let's just change the map a little bit. Let's just say that the line stays to that person and attached to that person, that circle on your map, are all the behaviors that, uh, that they do. And when you look at all these behaviors, what is one behavior that if you erased a line to it, that if it was not there, would it change you in any way? And let me give you an example. When I was a people pleaser, I was in a relationship with a woman that I wanted to make sure that all of her needs were met. If she was unhappy at all, I wanted to fix that unhappiness. This was my codependent relationship, or at least one of them. And uh, what would happen is that, you know, if she was thirsty, I would say, oh, let me get you a drink. You know, I would hop right up and go get her a drink. If she were hungry, oh, let me get you some food. If she, if she was sore, if she said, oh, my back hurts, hey, or let me rub your back. I mean, that sounds on paper, <laughs> it sounds like a great relationship. Hey, this partner is great. But on top of that behavior, I was also showing up as half of myself, only the half I wanted her to see. So in this relationship, she got what I believed to be the good side of me, but never saw the bad side. Never saw, you know, bad, again, subjective. Never saw the angry side. Never saw the hurt side, the pain, the person who's in pain. She only saw the side of me that I wanted her to see because I believe that if she saw a negative side of me that she might not like me, that she might see me as weak, that she might see me as less than or, you know, whatever. And I showed up that way all the time for many, many years. She only saw that side of me. So she never knew the entire dynamic of who I was. And in fact, she might have received mostly me being fake. So this really created an interesting dynamic in our relationship because she had no problem showing all sides of her. If she was mad, she would show it. If she wanted to swear at the top of her lungs, she would swear. If she wanted to punch a wall, she would punch a wall. She had no problem showing it. And believe it or not, that appealed to me because I showed up in the relationship more receptive and nurturing, more in touch with my feminine side. And she showed up in the relationship having no problem accessing both her feminine and masculine side. She was a great lesson for me. 
Um, but I didn't learn it back then. I learned it much <laughs> many years later. But again, I was showing up only in a certain way. And what was happening inside of her, and this is just a guess, I haven't talked to her about this, but from my experience with other people and from my own healing, I believe what was happening inside of her is that because I catered to her, because I was always nice to her, that she never got a level of challenge or experience in the relationship that gave her contrast. And without that contrast, not having the challenges of just being self-sufficient, even when your partner's right there in the room, without that challenge, suddenly uh, she probably felt a little too catered to. She probably felt like, well, what's the point of even lifting a finger if he's going to do everything? That's over-exaggerating a little bit. But if that's happening in her mind, while I'm trying to cater to her and I'm showing her only my nice side and she never sees my authentic side, she never sees my, my whole authentic self, then what I'm doing is creating the perfect utopia for her. And if she's in this utopia, where's the challenge of utopia? Now, I'm telling you this, Jen, not because I think you're in this situation, but I want you to be aware that sometimes when life feels so perfect and you feel like you should be grateful for everything, it might actually be the problem. Life being perfect might actually be the problem because there's no contrast, because there's no challenge, because there's no authentic reality, because the brain needs challenge. The brain needs controversy. The brain needs novelty, new things. The brain needs stress sometimes. I know we don't want it, but sometimes the brain needs something that shows you that there's more to life than everything working out. I'm not saying everything's working out for you. I know you're, you've had issues, but I want that to be a consideration that if everything in your life, because you mentioned this, you should be grateful for, then realize that maybe there are things in life that you shouldn't be grateful for. Maybe even things that you feel like you should be grateful for. This is my approach sometimes, is I take the opposite approach. Is like, well, I should love that person, so I will force myself to love that person. Yeah, but I really don't love that person. It's like my stepfather. I really don't love my stepfather. I love him in a different way as a human being on the planet, but even that is like, I have to think about uh, what that means and consider, well, if he died, would I be upset? Well, I think something would happen in me, but um, let me be honest here. The world is better off without him. I hate to say it, but that's pretty much where my mind goes, but that's in my mind. Well, now it's in the world, <laughs> but if I were to do this exercise and think about the people that maybe matter or don't matter to me, uh, I want to take out the shoulds. I want to take out the, I should love that person. I should feel guilty. I should feel sorry. I should be angry. I should be upset. No, I'll just take those out. I don't necessarily like to deny myself of what's really going on in me. So anything that you say should to, as far as you know, how you should feel, I should feel this, or how you should think, I should think this. Take out the should and, and be real. Be real with yourself. No, I do think this. No, I'm upset in this relationship that is supposed to make me happy. No, I hate my boss. 
I can't stand him or her. You know, you don't want to sugarcoat anything. You want to make it real. Just like if I had shown up in my relationship a long time ago as that real person and I was upset at something my girlfriend did, if I had shown that upset, she would have seen the authentic me. You know what people do with the authentic you? They know what they're dealing with. They see the reality of who you are. That can be scary. That can be scary to think, oh, if I am upset in front of this person, they're going to see who I really am. Just like the explosion that you had. Oh my God, that person saw who I really was in that moment. What does that mean? Well, if that means if I hide it next time, then they'll know I'm putting up a false front. Then they'll know I'm being fake. Well, what do I do? I can't just explode. Well, this is when you tell them why you're exploding. And this is when you express what's going on in you and say how really upset you are and really angry you are. Or how about how sad you are and how lonely you are. Even if you feel like it's a dysfunction. I don't know why I'm feeling so lonely. I feel like I'm being rejected. I feel this. I feel that. I feel abandoned. The people in your life that love you will talk to you. They'll listen. They'll want you to feel better. They'll want to hear you. And they'll even give you the space to be upset with them. The people in your life that do that, if I had done that in my relationship, my relationship probably would have lasted. But she couldn't see the real me. I only showed her the me that I wanted to show her because I thought that would be the best way to present myself so that she would never be upset with me, so that she would never see me as a bad person. And that was just the total opposite of what works. Because when people don't see the real you and you don't give them an opportunity to see the real you and you only show them uh, the controlled you, you know, the person that you only want others to see, then they make up their own mind about what's going on in your mind. They have their own thoughts and interpretations of what's happening in you because they never see the real you. I'm not saying that you have to explode all the time. I'm saying that you bring it up and you go, you know what? I exploded that, that day. I'd love to talk about it. I want to talk about this. So what does all of this have to do with uh, the last two segments? It's about exploration of what's going on inside of you. Uh, I love the erasing those lines concept, getting rid of attachments and adding new lines. This is the other side of the coin where you have this little mind map, you're in the middle, and what would happen if this were present in your life? What would happen if this were present in your life? Or what would happen if this thing that's already present in your life changed or shifted in some way? What if instead of uh, rain every other day because you live in the Pacific Northwest, <laughs> I've lived there so I can say this, uh, what would happen if I moved to the Southeast where it's sunny and only rains uh, for an hour in the afternoon or wherever you live in the world? You know, What would happen if the weather changed? What would happen if I woke up tomorrow in a more comfortable bed? What would happen if I had um, salad for dinner instead of french fries? You know, small, maybe stupid questions that come up. All these little attachments. But usually your emotions have to do with more major things in your life. And that's why I like to do the no people meditation and also a meditation where the visualization of someone that affected you in your life, they're standing in front of you and you get to say or do anything you want to them without consequence. I mean, there's a question for you. I've said this before. What would I do if I had absolutely no fear of the consequences? Boy, if you can answer that question, 
you're going to find out a lot about yourself. Or if you already knew that stuff about yourself, you're going to be one step closer to what you may need to do for yourself so that you are more fulfilled. So Jen, there's a lot to probably absorb in this episode and think about. And I want you to go through some of the exercises I talked about and see where they take you. Because when you ask yourself the question, what would be different about my life if this were not here, if this were missing? Or what would be different about my life if this were present? What would be different about my life if this weren't present? What would be different about my life if this changed? What would be different in my life if this didn't change? These types of questions really help you explore what might be happening inside of you. You know, I also did an episode called What's Missing in My Life. I highly recommend if you haven't listened to that, you check that out as well, theoverwhelmedbrain.com. Otherwise, thank you so much for writing. I'd like to hear back from you and, you know, let me know if this did anything for you. And I do want you to know that you are worthy. You are important. You are definitely lovable. And if you're not feeling that from the people you're with, then I want to know who you're with because that doesn't sound right to me. Thank you for writing and thank you for listening to this episode. We'll be right back. I'll say some more thank yous and uh, we'll close the show after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want you to visit greenchef.us forward slash brain and get $50 off your first pre-portioned, hand-picked, hand-packed, delicious meal kit. greenchef.us forward slash brain. And I want to thank the people on Twitter tweeting about The Overwhelmed Brain, like Deadpool E-Forest Week uh, something too, (laughs) who said the podcast helped them work through anxiety and depression and find deeper meaning behind it and to face it and overcome it. Uh, That is awesome to hear. I'm checking Twitter more because I was uh, negligent for a long time. So I'm so happy to see people connecting with me on Twitter. And uh, you can find me at, um, I think I used the handle Paul Cola Brain because I think the overall brain doesn't fit in the uh, handle. So if you're looking for me, you can connect with me there. And I'd like to thank donations from Anna and a surprisingly generous donation from Stacy. Thank you so much, Stacy. I appreciate you. I am grateful. You have probably already received my uh, private audio message that I sent to you. So you already know how I feel. Thank you so much. This helps keep the show going. If you want to donate to the show or support the show in some way, there are three ways to do it. You can go to patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com and you can become a patron member. Soon I'm going to have a donate button there as well. But the donate button you can find on theoverwhelmedbrain.com. So if you just want to make a one-time or a sustaining monthly donation, you can do that as well there. And also using the Amazon button at theoverwhelmedbrain.com. Not necessarily a donation, but every time you use that button, it helps the show uh, if you're shopping on Amazon. And that's uh, outside the U.S. as well. There's a lot of places in the world that that Amazon button works for. So thank you to anyone that donates to the show. And I would like to thank existing patron members who are very vital to the continuance of the show. You know, if you feel like you are learning something and getting value and maybe even healing and growing and you want to give back in some way, your patronage, your donation uh, using the Amazon button are all great ways to do that. 
And it doesn't have to be monetary. If you don't want to give back in a monetary way, just write and say thank you. I would love to hear from you. But just know to existing patron members and to all of those who have supported the show, I do appreciate you. Thank you so much. And for those of you who have a difficult relationship, let's just say that you've um, put all those lines on your mind map or maybe you did this in your mind and you have all these thoughts going through your mind and you still have difficult relationships and you really can't figure out how to get around them or figure them out and you just don't know why the relationship is so difficult, go to loveandabuse.com and you'll see the mean workbook. The mean workbook helps you identify very specific components of a relationship that just seems more complex than it should be. And if you feel like you're getting blamed for everything that's going wrong with it, or maybe you often feel bad about yourself and you never felt that way before the relationship, there might be something going on. Go to loveandabuse.com and find out if you're in maybe an emotionally abusive or manipulative situation. And finally, I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. And to close the show, I'm going to ask you one more question that can probably get to the heart of anything. Are you ready? What is one thing in your life that, if it changed, would make your life so much better? I know it's a simple question, but what, what do you come up with? What is one thing in your life that, if it changed, would make your life so much better? You might say, well, more money. You might say, well, a better per- a better partner. You might say, well, any partner. <laughs> I want someone in my life. You might say a better job, a better this, a, uh, more this, more that. Or I wish this person would go away. I wish this job would go away. It's very similar to the mind map exercise that uh, we talked about earlier. But when you answer that question, don't just stop at the answer. When you get the answer, let's just say, ah, more money. If I had more money, well, how would you get more money? Well, you know, I don't know. I, I would hope it fall from the sky. Okay, but let's bring it back to reality and see if we can figure out where we are today. Well, where I'm at today, I'm working, whatever, nine to five, and I'm making X number of dollars per hour. And I've tried to get a raise. Okay, so we know that the money uh, coming in now isn't going to be any higher than it is, or at least not for another X number of months. So we are stuck where we are unless we get a second job or change jobs. But let's just say that that's what came to mind. More money would help me out, for example. So the second question is, whatever answer you came up with, what would that do for you if that changed? Well, if uh, I got more money, what it would do for me is allow me to buy that speedboat I always wanted or buy my kids clothes. I mean, depending on how how much trouble you're having with money. Buy food. What would that do for you? Okay, that's the second question. The third question, I only said one question, but this is kind of a drill down process. The third question will be, what can I do today that takes me one step closer to that? Now, that sounds like a cheap (laughs) personal growth question that I've heard probably every self-help guru ask. What can I do today to take me one step closer to my goal? But I like to use the uh, Jeff Olson concept. On my very first episode of The Overwhelmed Brain, Jeff Olson was my guest when I had guests. And he wrote the book, The Slight Edge. And The Slight Edge is one of those books that teaches you that you can accomplish almost anything if you do something toward it every day. 
And I love the example he uses. He said, you can read a book a month, which when you think about it is like, that's impossible. Nobody can read a book a month. Well, I mean, I think about that. <laughs> I go, I can't even read a book in a year. It takes me so long to read one because every time I sit down to do it, I'll get into it and it's great, but I don't make it a habit. And then I have other stuff that comes up and it just takes me a long time to read. But Jeff Olson says, yes, but anyone can read 10 pages a day. And a lot of books are 300 pages. So a month later, you can have a book read. I really liked that concept. It takes a lot of self-discipline, but almost anyone can do that because everyone has a bathroom. <laughs> everyone can take a book into the bathroom. And, you know, this is probably not pleasant to think about, but it's true. We, we all have at least a few minutes to read 10 pages a day. Now, there's exceptions to that. And, you know, not everyone can read a book. Some people are blind. You know, you can probably throw all these exceptions at me, and that's fine. But it's the metaphor. It's the concept that you can accomplish things just by doing something toward those things every day. And it's just like my guitar lessons. I'm now taking electric guitar lessons. I took classical in the past. Now I'm learning electric not that I'm going to be a rock and roller. That's not my goal. But I like to learn the instrument because it makes all kinds of great sounds. And we're going to use it in my girlfriend's music and probably my own music someday. But uh, taking these lessons, I get the lesson once a week, but I practice every day. And sometimes I miss a day, but I practice, you know, my scales, the finger positioning, using a pick, all these little things every day. And when I do it, when I sit down and do it, I feel like I'm fumbling. I feel inefficient, but I notice the improvement the next time I practice. And it's weird because I feel like I'm not improving until I practice next time and suddenly my hands go exactly where I wanted them to go. That's a good feeling. So every little step that you can take towards something that you want to happen in your life is one step closer than you were before. I think it's a great lesson for all of us to take. And no matter what, just keep an open mind so that you can step into your power and experience the compound effect of doing something every day toward what you want. This will help you be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve every day. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you. You are amazing.